Greetings and salutations and welcome to the Trash Fire of Talk podcast with your host, Skits M. Jones. I am your host, Skits M. Jones. And let's kick off the episode the way we always do with a look at upcoming events. Uh, first up, November 7th, which is tomorrow as of the recording and release of this episode. Uh, November 7th, the Oh Did That Offend You live comedy show at Riddles in Alsip. Uh, it's Joe Beasley, Kyle Allen, Alan Ford, Paige Blair, host Burt Young, headliner Marcus Hendricks, myself as well, of course. Um, I still have physical tickets for that one. If you can run into me at some point today or tomorrow, feel free to pick one up. They are $10 a piece. Otherwise, you can purchase online or purchase day of at the show. Uh, so that is uh, that one. Then Friday... I will be heading up to Rockford for Underground Comedy. Uh, it's myself, uh, Michael Cooper, Katie Zane, Oscar Carvajal, and uh, host Marcos. Uh, that's going to be super fun. I've never been up there. Um, but I have done uh, some recent uh, shows with Oscar Carvajal. He's fantastic. Uh, I look forward to seeing Katie Zane and Michael Cooper and Marcos. I hear great things about that scene, and I'm looking forward to getting back up in that area. Um, November 21st, I will be at Flapjack Brewery in Berwyn. Uh, it's myself, Gina Palm, uh, who I know from So Emo. She's great. Uh, Ricky March, who I don't know yet. Uh, and host Mike Stricker, who I've uh, done some shows with. Um, looking forward to that one. That's going to be super fun. Uh, I hear great things about the pizza there. Uh, so I look forward to that as well as the gluttonous, uh, bastard that I am. Um, November 23rd, Uncouth, uh, is joining Without Light and Dead Sun Rising at Metal Monkey Brewing in Romeoville. So for any of the suburbs folks who have been wanting to see Uncouth, but don't necessarily want to trek out to the city, here is an opportunity to stay out in the burbs and see us. And a new show added for the month of November, November 30th. I will be at Steph's Darling Parlor at Elbow Room. I don't know the lineup for that one yet. Apparently this is a, a, a big show. It's a, a Saturday, uh, so that's a thing. Usually I believe Steph's Darling Parlor is on Thursdays, uh, but this is going to be a Saturday show. And... I think one of the things that might be making this one in particular a special outing is rumor has it that Elbow Room is closing its doors after 30 years. Uh, according to the website Block Club Chicago, which is a nonprofit neighborhood news site for the city, uh, I guess the venue has been keeping weird sporadic hours lately. A real estate listing shows that there is a sale on the property pending, but nothing is finalized. Uh, one source in the article said that the place closes shop December 8th. No word on what will happen with the property once it's purchased, uh, but it's entirely possible that after both doing stand-up there and performing there with Uncouth, this could well be the last time that I get to step foot in the elbow room, and that's kind of bittersweet, um, but I'm glad I get to be there again. Um, there's an, a number of venues and rooms in Chicago that I uh, would love to perform in and a number that I wish I would have gotten to perform in, but they closed doors before, you know, I got to like the old double door. I would have loved to perform at the old double door. Uh, I saw a lot of great shows there, you know, things like that. So that's going to be wild. I'm looking forward to it. 
uh, Steph Churrasco runs Steph Starling Parlors. Fantastic. And one of my favorite people to do shows for. So yeah, that's all the shows that I've got lined up coming up throughout the rest of November. However, there's still plenty of available space in there. So, you know, feel free to add me to a lineup if you, if you see some dates, uh, where you think I'd be a fit and, you know, maybe we could plug something in. Um, and then, of course, you know, Game of Microphones, as always, uh, Thursdays at Comedy Shrine. I won't be there this week because, like I said, I will be at Riddles uh, this week. But still going to be a great lineup, and you should go support that room if you're not coming out to support me. Ha! Huh. All right. So that is all of that. Um, did, the, uh, did the open mic at Comedy Shrine this week and tried something new. Uh, I gave the entirety of my time to one uh, story, um, which is unusual for me. I'm not known uh, for being a, a storyteller on stage. Usually I have, um, you know, I have my bits. I have my, I have my, my through lines, my topical, you know, narrative through lines in my, uh, in my material. But I, I've never just straight up done a story before. Um, and it was fun. I had a lot of fun doing it. Um, it's, it's, uh, something that, you know, I, I want to try incorporating more into my sets, you know, um, because I, I, I feel like, you know, not all of my material hits with all audiences, you know, pop culture references can, can change and, and things like that. Um, and granted, there are some pop culture references in this story, uh, given that the story is all about the time that I met Ice-T. Um, but I, I, I feel like Ice-T is, is a big enough name, you know. Law & Order is one of the longest-running TV shows of all time, and SVU, I think, is their most successful kind of spin-off. so it's probably fine. But yeah, anyway, um, I, I, uh... I had fun, and it seemed like it went pretty well. The story could definitely use some some tightening and, and you know, whatnot. But uh, I, I think it's something I want to keep working on, is is having stories and telling stories, as well as having my, my bits and my material and whatnot. Because, um, you know, the, the more tools you have in, in the toolbox, the better off you're going to be. Uh, plus, it's also a... Uh, a fairly clean story, which, you know, again, I know clean comedy is a thing that a lot of venues are looking for, and I want to have more of that available, so I'm not just the person who, you know, says fuck too much, um, which I, you know, I, I can cut that out, but I mean, having material that is, is palatable for all audiences, I know that's important, you know, generally, uh, de you know, depending on what your goals are. But for me, my goals are I want to be able to do this for a long time and make money at it and not have to have a day job. So uh, this is another step uh, down the path of trying to make that happen. And we'll see if it works. Um, oh. I saw Terminator, Dark Fate, the new one. It was good. It was enjoyable. Um, you know, it's, it's a perfectly enjoyable Terminator movie. Obviously, T2 is the best of the Terminator movies, 
And then, you know, the first Terminator is a classic because it's the one that kicked off the whole thing. From there, it's sketchy. You know, from there, people are of varying opinions what they like or don't like. You know, there was uh, Terminator 3 Rise of the Machines, which saw some recasting and, you know, tried to do more of the same but differently from from T2. Um, it's... I haven't watched it in forever, full disclosure, so I don't know if it's if it's any good or not. It I remember it being fine. Uh Terminator Salvation, which is the one that takes place entirely in the future, um, had some things that looked very cool, uh, some some very interesting setups and, and premises that I, I enjoyed, but you could tell that the studio kind of panicked by the end and, and you know, wanted to go safer routes, so I think I think that kind of undercut the story. But it's still, you know, it's it's very serious. It's a very serious movie. Every other Terminator has at least, well, from T two on, the Terminators tend to have you know some levity to them. Um, but uh, yeah, Terminator Salvation is the most like grim, dark fucking Terminator movie. Uh, then they tried uh, Genesis which was the, like, kind of reboot that uh, replaced Linda Hamilton as Sarah Connor with uh, Amelia Clark from Game of Thrones. Um, and that was fine. It was dumb. It was very dumb. But it was fine. Um, you know, there was the TV shows Sarah, Chron- Sarah Connor Chronicles, which I thought was actually very good. Uh, I'd love to go back and rewatch that. Um because, uh, well, for multiple reasons, but um, Shirley Manson from Garbage plays a Terminator in that in that series, and that's delightful. Um, so yeah, I wish that, it, I think that only got like two seasons. I haven't watched it since, oh goodness, maybe 2005, maybe? Or maybe 2009. Either way, it's been 10 to almost 15 years uh, since I've seen that. So, is it good? I don't know. It's been a minute. But this one, like I said, Terminator Dark Fate, pretty enjoyable. The action set pieces were fun. I have a total crush on Mackenzie Davis now. Uh, Holy shit. Um, She was fantastic. Uh, Which, I'm I'm realizing I I recognized her from... uh, the, the latest Blade Runner, and apparently this kind of, you know, semi-futuristic, semi-robot thing is a thing that she's just very good at, uh, and I'd like to see more of her doing things. Um, I've never seen that show she's on, uh, so I don't know if it's any good or not, but yeah, totally crushing on Mackenzie Davis. Um, Gabriel Luna was very fun as a new version of The Terminator. Um, I thought he... he brought great, like, weird charm and personality to it while still having the kind of, like, off nature that Robert Patrick brought to the T-1000. Um, and the the version of the Terminator he plays, which is like an old-school metal endoskeleton Terminator that also has the Venom symbiote as a Terminator, like, that plays very well and is a new creepy development that I, I liked. Uh, Linda Hamilton and Arnold Schwarzenegger both got a lot to do, um, and, and probably the most heavy lifting in the movie. 
Uh, it was great to see Linda Hamilton back as Sarah Connor. Um, and Schwarzenegger crushes, like totally crushes. Um, then there's uh, Natalia, Reyes, uh, Natalia Reyes as Danny, who is the new target for the Terminator. Uh, she was good, a little underdeveloped. Uh, if they do a sequel, I'd be curious to see where her character goes. Um, but I feel like they kind of rushed some things with her. But that's fine. It was a two-hour movie, and they crammed a lot in. Um, and it was good. Uh, the idea of fate in Terminator in that series is a weird one. You know, because Judgment Day was present uh, prevented in Terminator 2. The whole premise of Terminator, like... Uh, John Connor grows up to be a leader of the resistance and sends Kyle Reese back in time to protect his mom, Sarah Connor, who the Terminators send, Skynet sends a Terminator back in time to kill Sarah Connor. Uh, Kyle Reese fucks Sarah Connor. Uh, I mean, like, it's conceptual. They're, they fall in love, they have sex. Um, Sarah becomes pregnant with John. Kyle Reese dies. So if John had never sent Kyle back, then who would have impregnated Sarah to give birth to John? So that's weird right out from the, the get-go. Like, if no one had ever tried to kill Sarah Connor, then there would never be a John Connor. Then there would never be a resistance to fight Skynet. It, but Skynet trying to kill Sarah Connor is what prompts John Connor to be alive. So it's a thing. Like, time travel makes movies dumb. Um, and then T2 continues to make time travel dumb, uh, but it's very fun. Uh, a Terminator tries to kill John in the past and whatever, whatever. Um, and in this one, uh, like, so in Terminator 2, they prevent Judgment Day from even happening. So there is no Skynet. There is no Terminators, but humanity's drive to destroy itself and create the engines that will drive its own destruction means that there's always a new ending to come, and this time it's from a new source. And so it's not Skynet anymore, it's something else. And I like how they make it clear that it's something else in, in small, subtle ways. Like the, the endoskeleton on the Terminator uh, that's covered in Venom goo is different. Um, the, the time portal bubble things that deliver the time travelers show up in mid-air now instead of on the ground. It's a lot of little nods to show that the future is rewritten, but only so much. Uh, I won't spoil anything else about it. Go see it in, in the theaters. Like, if you enjoy Terminator as a franchise and you would like to see them make more decent ones, you know, go do that. Uh, go see it so we don't just get more full reboots. Um... You know, count Dark Fate as Terminator 3 and ignore the others and let's move on into a Terminator 4 or just fucking let the franchise die. Move on to something else. Um, so yeah, that's Terminator Dark Fate. I enjoyed it. It was fun. Uh, you know, I just recommend a movie. Let's move on to the rest of my recommendations. We've got... Uh, oh, the season finale of Mayans happened last night and uh, it was good. Um, I, it's season two, so I don't want to like talk too much about it if you haven't been watching it, but, uh, Mayans is good. One of the things that I like about Mayans is they're making it very clear that none of these biker gangs are good people. Like they're being very, very honest about that. There is 
murder and violence and and whatnot on a scale that is is it it's playing differently than it did on Sons of Anarchy. Like a lot of people really try to convince themselves that the Sons uh, in Sons of Anarchy were good people when they were not. They were all monsters, every single one of them. Yes, even Jax. Even Jax was a piece of shit. Sorry, deal with it. And this uh, uh, series has a lot of that going on too. Like, these are not good people. These are bad people doing bad things to each other. Um, And, yeah, I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it. Uh, I won't say too much else, because, again, season two, like, if you've not watched anything I'm going to say is going to make no sense, so I won't. But if you enjoyed Sons of Anarchy, Mayans is good, uh, possibly better. I will say the one thing that I I will need to see more of is development of some of the uh some of the characters that are still sitting at the Mayans table um are are not as developed as uh as I I I would like to see but I mean it's season 2 we've got time I assume they're getting a season 3 we'll find out Okay music the meat and potatoes of this whole damn thing um the the new song i'm going to start with the new song uh the new song is uh morning it's a, a new single by Teana taylor featuring uh kelani excuse me the uh the artwork for the for the single is a direct reference to the 1998 movie wild things starring matt dillon nev campbell denise richards kevin bacon and bill freaking murray um which is a wild cast, uh, no pun intended, for a movie that gained most of its reputation for its sex scenes uh, involving Campbell and Richards. Um, but it's it's actually a fun little caper movie, uh, and quite funny, uh, very campy. Um, it's a comedy, and I think that's kind of been forgotten. Uh, you know, no one really talks about the movie anymore unless they're talking about the sex scenes. Uh, which I, I think is a shame because it was it was a decent flick. Um, but uh, anyway, the reputation for its sex scenes, uh, the sapphic tone of which is captured in this music video uh, as stars uh, Teana Taylor and Kelani spend most of the, the time in the video writhing around in silken garments or on silken bed sheets before reenacting the pool scene from Wild Things. And if you've seen Wild Things, you know what I'm talking about. And if you haven't, go watch the movie, I guess. That'll be another recommendation in the episode. I don't know. Um, but beyond the sexiness of the video is the sexiness of the song. It's a, a slow grind song. Like, if you, were, if you were at a club, out on the dance floor with somebody, and this song came on, um, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of friction boners that are going to be happening. Like, there's going to be some grinding going on to this song. That's what I'm saying. Um... Tayana Taylor uh, has been active in the music scene since 2006, where she was credited as the choreographer for a Beyonce video, uh, followed by dropping her first mixtape and single in 2007. She then contributed vocals to Kanye West's My Dark Twisted Fantasy, which for me is still the best version of Kanye West. Like, that is everything that the promise of Kanye West could have delivered on. 
Um, I'm not going to get into any recent Kanye because I'm not schooled enough on what he's doing because I don't care. I'm not particularly religious. I'm definitely not the kind of surface level religious that Kanye is. Uh, so I don't, I'm kind of not all that interested. Um, but anyway, my dark twisted fantasy was fucking great. Uh, after that, uh, Deanna Taylor had a number of other features and then created a blizzard of publicity for, uh, Kanye West's song fade off the 2016 album life of Pablo where she created her own interpretation of a dance sequence from the movie Flashdance for the song's music video that had people just, like, writing think pieces about her uh, her workout regimen and stuff like that. Um, but anyway, uh, she dropped the album uh, KTSE, Keep That Same Energy, and blew the fuck up. That was uh, two years ago, a year, a year ago, I want to say. That album dropped. I don't know why I didn't write that date down. I have so much other shit on the, these notes. But anyway, uh, she dropped that album, blew the fuck up. The last track on that album, uh, WTP, aka Work That Pussy, which features Mickey Blanco. That song is a banger, which has already been featured on a Trash Fire of Talk recommendation segment. So this now makes Tiana Taylor a two-time uh, recommendation for the Trash Fire of Talk. Um, and on, on the topic of, of sexy fucking songs, uh, the next song is also sexy as fuck. It's uh, Dave Navarro's cover of the Velvet Underground and Nico's song, Velvet and Furs. Uh, or, sorry, Venus in Furs. I don't know why I'm thinking... Well, I know why I said Velvet, because I was just talking about Velvet Underground, but fucking whatever. Venus in Furs. Um, it's off his 2001 album, Trust No One. Dave Navarro's sexy, right? Like... Dave Navarro is the sexy guitar guy prototype that is yet to be improved upon. Like, this dude is rippling lean muscle, semi-goth boy tattoos and piercings, forever rocking the the same hair situation, like the sort of scraggly, like, goatee mustache sideburns combo with, like, mid-length to long, probably greasy hair. Like, he's ridiculous. A, a ridiculous archetypal version of Guitar God. And, like, probably one of my first crushes on a dude. Like, true story. Um, he's currently best known as a host and judge for the reality competition tattoo show Ink Master. Uh, but Navarro is beyond accomplished. Uh, being a, a uh, a founding member of Jane's Addiction, one of my favorite bands, a one-time guitarist for Red Hot Chili Peppers, another band that, you know, I really enjoy. And, you know, he was the guitarist for their criminally underrated album, One Hot Minute, which is probably my favorite album of theirs. Um, plus, you know, he's played guitars uh, uh, with fellow Red Hot Chili Pepper and one-time Jane's Addiction bassist Flea on Alanis Morissette's song You Oughta Know, which was the breakout hit single off her 95 album Jagged Little Pill. And that song and album made her a massive star and was one of the most successful songs and albums of the 90s. Um, so Navarro was, was involved in that as well. Uh, Navarro's solo album, which is thus far his only major label solo output, had a number of singles on it, a couple of music videos, 
and it's from front to back a wonderful album. Uh, I really dig Navarro's voice. I think it was it was better than anyone would have expected for someone predominantly known as a, a guitarist. Um, his dense soundscapes that he crafts through layering of guitar sounds uh, make this album one totally worth revisiting. And this song, which is, again, a Velvet Underground cover about fetishes and mistresses and BDSM and the works, um, whereas Velvet Underground's original version feels kind of dingy and very, like, backroom dungeon at a weird basement nightclub, Navarro's cover feels like it's kind of shiny vinyl and sterile procedure rooms at a warehouse-style dungeon. Like, you know, very clean, you know, like... It, it's different aesthetics, but they're both wonderfully deviant. Uh, I, I love the song, and like I said, Dave Navarro's just sexy as fuck anyway. So, yeah, there you go. Couple sexy as fuck songs for the recommendations. And now, let's go ahead and get into the tarot pull. And we're pulling from the 90s tarot deck by Christy Prokopiak. Um... Let's see what we've got here. The card for this episode is the Three of Pentacles. Uh, This card is all about workplace success. Um, Maybe you're killing it with projects you're working on, or you've been offered something new that you're really into. Um, You know, maybe there's a new job coming your way. Uh, Maybe you've been offered an internship that, you know, is unpaid, but ticks all the boxes for what you're looking for and could lead to something uh, that will fulfill you financially as, as well as, you know, uh, your, your, your talents and your interests. Um, but either way, something is engaging you and it's awesome and you need to keep following that shit. Um, the Three of Pentacles could also be a person related to you via work, uh, but that relationship has the offer of something more. Maybe it's a new friendship possibly even a romance. And, you know, while workplace relationships and the mixing of business with pleasure can be just the messiest shit ever. Um, in this instance, the card is giving you the go-ahead to check things out and see what happens. So, um, you know, again, like I said, these kind of things can be the messiest shit ever. But, eh, see what happens. So yeah, there you go. There's your uh, there's your tarot pull for the episode, and uh, I think that's all I got. I'm pretty sure that closes out the episode. I don't know. Don't don't fuck your boss or anything. Like don't leave and be like, no, Skit said I should have sex with my boss. Like, um, be you know responsible with whatever shit you decide you want to try and get into. Um, if you take the three of pentacles to heart, uh, yeah. And if you're the boss, don't like go after someone who works for you. Cause that's a conflict of interest. That's bad as well. But Hey, if it's just someone that is like in your environment, you know, and you're on the same level, then, uh, I don't know. Yeah. Let's focus on the let let's stay on the the projects and stuff and the, the that you're working on. Let's let's keep it about that. I don't know, man. Trash fire of talk. That's the name of the podcast. Do I know what I'm talking about half the time? I don't fucking know. 
Um, there is one thing I know, and that's how you can reach me. Uh, you can find me at all the social medias at Skits Jones, S-K-I-T-Z-J-O-N-E-S. You can email me, skitsmjones at gmail.com. Uh, you can also hit me up on the Anchor app and drop a voice message if you feel so inclined, if you listen via Anchor or you just want to get the app to send me a voice message, whatever. I've downloaded apps for stupider reasons. Um, they never last long. It's fine. Anyway, I think that's it. I think that's the episode. I've got shit to do. I've got a beard refreshing to get ready for the shows coming up the rest of this week. I've got band practice tonight because Uncouth has a show coming up. So yeah, I've got shit to do. Hell, you've got shit to do. Uh, So let's break from here. And the last thing I can ask of you, as always, keep that trash fire burning. (laughs) 